All right. For me, success is continuing to fulfill my potential. So it's always something I'm looking toward, not something I've achieved. To me, success is doing something that you love to do that allows you to be of service to others and it it gives you a sense of fulfillment in your heart. I think I, I chased success so much that I put happiness on hold for 20 years and now I realize if I put happiness first the success chases me. Success is being able to have the control of your day-to-day of your life of having a freedom financial independence if you're doing it on your own schedule that's success. In essence the fulfillment of knowing that you've done your best is my definition of success. This is the Alden Report. This episode is brought to you in part by the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read by Andrew Cap. Yeah, you heard it right. The last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read. Listen, if you don't believe me, go over to Amazon and read the over 1,600 five-star reviews from excited readers who, after all the books, all the programs, and all the other nonsense out there, finally found a book that explains the law of attraction like nothing you've ever heard before. Not only does it include fun, user-friendly methods, but it's going to hold the mirror up to you, the reader, and explain what's happening in your head whenever you're trying to work on yourself. It'll explain why you get excited, why you even start to use what you learn and even begin to get results, but then you still quit. This book will show you how to overcome that, and it's going to show you how to manifest the things that you want most in your life. So check it out by going to lastlawofattractionbook.com. That's lastlawofattractionbook.com. It's going to auto-forward you to Amazon where you can pick it up on Kindle, paperback, or even audiobook. Listen, I've read this book myself. I've even interviewed Andrew on The Author Report, and I'm telling you, this is, in fact, the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read, and it's going to change your life. So go ahead and pick up a copy by visiting lastlawofattractionbook.com. That's lastlawofattractionbook.com. This is the Alden Report. All right. Well, my name is Michael Alden. We are here in Blue Vase Studios. And I tell you, you know, I'm super excited. Like I always say for my next guest, you know, my next guest is an entrepreneur. She's a business leader. But what she's here to talk about is something that I got to be honest with you. This is kind of a, a selfish interest to have her on. She's the author of a book that's coming out called Exit Rich. She is actually, her company has sold over a thousand businesses. She's personally sold over 500 businesses and she's been featured on every major network uh, that you can imagine. She's truly an icon in this space. And I'm super interested because I built a pretty big business. I built multiple businesses, but I've never sold them. And to be honest with you, I don't know how to. So she's here today to talk a little bit about that. She's here today to talk a little bit about her book and I'm super interested. So if you're listening right now and you're a business owner or maybe you're a building a business and you're thinking about, hey, you know what? I want to build my business and sell it. Then you're not going to want to miss this episode of the Alden Report. Please help me welcome Michelle Seiler Tucker. Thanks so much for being here. I uh, appreciate you being here. And I apologize. We had some technical difficulties, but we made it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Mike. It's my pleasure. So I'm just going to, so I want to just, for those of my viewers and listeners who don't know you, I just, I'm super interested in how does one get into the business of selling businesses? I'd love to know like how you got there. 
Yeah. So, you know, I didn't really wake up one day and say, oh, my God, I'm going to sell businesses. (laughs) That was not my childhood dream. Um, But my childhood dream was always entrepreneurship. I knew I wanted to be my own boss. I knew I wanted to own many different businesses, which I do. You know, I've owned many different businesses in different verticals. I did kind of get sucked into corporate America and went to work for Xerox because Xerox recruited me. And um, I was there for about six months till my nickname became the closer at Xerox. Every time somebody can close something, they say, call Michelle. She can do it. She can close anything. It's like, call Mikey. He'll eat it. He eats anything. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, within six months, my supervisor came to me and she said, Michelle, you really should apply for the regional vice president position overseeing the South at Xerox, overseeing 100 salespeople. And she said, you'll never get it because you've been here for six months. And she said, but I think you should do it anyway. It's, it's a three-month process. And I'm like, why would I interview for something that I'm never going to get? Why would I waste three months of my time? It makes no sense. Anyway, she said, look, it's because of the experience. You'll learn so much through this process that, you know, I think you should do it. So I said, okay. So I threw my name in the hat. And she said, the reason you won't get it is because Xerox has a two-year policy. You need to be with Xerox for two years before you get promoted from within. Plus, you're going to be up against people who have been, you know, with Xerox for 5, 10, 15 years. So anyway, it was a three-month process. And it was a grueling process. I had to meet with every high-level Xerox, um, you know, the management team and go through a Q&A's presentations, copier demonstrations, et cetera. And I ended up, I did get it, Mike. So I guess I truly am the closer. So I did beat everybody out and Xerox actually changed their policy for me. And then I realized right away that I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Because I love sales. I love people. I love solving problems. I like coming up with solutions and making decisions really quickly and getting things done. And when you work in corporate America at that level, you're really having meetings to have more meetings to schedule follow-up meetings. And you can't really make any decisions because there's so much red tape, you know, and, and so many people have to vote on everything and it's ridiculous. So nothing really gets done. So I ended up really realizing that I didn't like it. So I started looking for something else. I was going to keep Xerox. I started looking for something else. Anyway, long story short, I ended up partnering with a franchisor and um, really going into franchise sales, franchise consulting, and franchise development. Sold hundreds of franchises. Actually, I actually kept my daytime job with Xerox for six months to make sure it was going to work. I did this nights and weekends and made more money in six months than I did an entire year at Xerox as a regional vice president. And um and then partnered with other franchisors and really grew my franchise sales, franchise consulting development business. But then I found myself, I kept saying, no, 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 because so many buyers would ask me for existing businesses. You know, they, they said, look, we don't want a franchise. We want an existing business. And at that point, I'm like, why don't I just start an M&A firm? So I could still do franchise sales, franchise consulting development, but I can also work with existing business owners. And that's what I did a little over 20 years ago. Wow. There's a lot in that. And I know this, uh, there's one thing I, I, that you brought up that is not maybe a hundred percent tied to your book and, and what you've been doing for, for the 20 years. But I just real quick, I think something you said is really important. We have a lot of entrepreneurs 
um that listen to the the alden report and uh i you know consult with the young entrepreneurs a lot and it was interesting what you said was is you for six months you stayed with you stayed with a stable income mm -hmm. uh and then you left talk a little bit about that process and 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 you know because as a businesswoman an entrepreneur i think a lot of pc you, you hear you hear it all, this is the advice that i hear from people go all in. If you're passionate about it, you just got to just sell everything and go on. I totally disagree with that. And it sounds like you probably do as well. Tell yeah. us a little, little bit about, okay, six months of doing nights and weekends. Gary V talks about 10 PM to 3 AM when he, when people doing the side, everyone's got the side hustle. Tell us a little bit about like one, that thought process and two, what it was really like for you. At what point, at what point did you say, okay, I can jump? Cause you, cause it was a huge commitment and Xerox was a, probably a fortune 25 company at the time. So yeah, they were a fortune. They probably were a fortune 25 company yeah. at the time and they yeah. were very demanding and it was very time intensive. Um, I did travel a lot with Xerox, but on the weekends, so on the weekends I would fly to Dallas or, you know, fly to Atlanta, Scott, uh, Phoenix and go to different trade shows and uh, franchise shows and sell franchises. <laughs> right. I mean, it really wasn't that difficult. You know, I would go to the show, I'd get interested at parties, I would hold a seminar, I'd have so many people come to my seminar. And I was selling a lot of like three packs, four packs, six packs, where people would buy six franchises, you know. And that's really how I really grew so quickly because I was able to sell so many businesses, so many franchises so fast. And I was making half the franchise fee. Right. And then I was going to get half the royalties, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so I was making money really quick. So I knew in, within six months that that was the right decision. I loved what I was doing. You know, I was helping um, business owners start up a business for the very first time. And I knew it was time to leave. Um, the reason I didn't just leave Xerox is because the, the franchise order that I partnered with didn't have too many locations. I didn't know how stable they were. <laughs> and I wanted to kind of test the water before I go and leave my, you know, six figure fortune 25 company for a business that wasn't really, you know, didn't have that many franchises at the time. Yeah, again, I, I, yeah, I, absolutely. And I just, I'm just glad you had mentioned that because again, I think it's important. And I was literally just talking to someone about this yesterday. He was actually in a potential, he's looking for a potential franchise. And I said, dude, do me a favor. You know, he's not making tons of money, but he's making good money for, for where he's at. And I'm like, please do not jump until you have something that you know is going to be able to support you, your wife, your child, and, and your child that's on the way. Don't jump because it's uh, I think people, they see stuff on the internet or on Instagram and they think, Oh, you know, everyone else is doing it. Well, you know, you could do, it could be catastrophic. Right. And they don't do their due diligence, right. you know? And then here's another piece of advice for him. Don't buy a startup franchise buy an existing one that already has employees in place and already has proven track record of making money. Don't do a new one. Okay. How come? <laughs> All right. Well, lots of reasons. First and foremost, you never, you never really should buy a brand new franchise. I know franchise world is going to kill me right now, but you should never buy a brand new franchise because a brand new franchise, the fee is based upon the franchise fee. It's based upon the build out. The build out is always more than what you think it's going to be. Right. Always, 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 always. And then it's based upon furniture, fixtures, equipment. 
inventory. All of that. Yeah. So you can usually buy an existing franchise less expensive than a startup and have money already coming in because you can spend all this money and in two, three, four years, not making any money. Right. You got to make sure you have enough working capital to sustain. And that's what they don't tell you. They don't tell you all these things with an existing franchise. I'll give you an example. Baskin Robbins, brand new Baskin Robbins will cost you about 300 to 400,000, maybe a little bit more depending upon the build out. An existing, existing Baskin Robbins, it's not about the franchise fee. It's not about the build out. It's not about the inventory, furniture, fixtures, equipment. It's not about any of that. It's about a multiple of the seller's discretionary earnings or EBITDA. Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. So, Baskin Robbins, brand new one. We sold one that had been in business for 30 years. I didn't sell it, my team sold it. Been in business 30 years in the exact same location, making about 75000 a year. It sold for like 150000 Half the price right. of a new one, already money coming in, already have employees in place already has brand recognition and name awareness in the neighborhood that they've been in for 30 years. Buying a new one is like financial suicide, I think. I like it. Uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, if, if you've listened to the podcast, which I'm guessing you have, I don't really necessarily have planned questions. I mean, obviously I know about you, I know about the book, I know about Sharon. So, um, but I didn't know we were going to go down this route, but, but I, you know, I, I do, I, I, if you don't mind, I want to ask a little bit more, but because I think a, a lot of people are enamored uh, with the idea of getting into a franchise. You know, I had a, mm -hmm. a brother-in-law who owned uh, fitness together. So I'm an attorney by trade and I helped him you know, do those deals. And then the, the economy crashed the year, just like 15 years ago uh, or so. And um, the build outs were just extraordinary. So the one that it was making money, he took all the money from that one to do a build out. And then we did another build out. And the other two that we did the build outs for, he ended up selling them for a dollar each because uh because he was in so much debt from it um so like if you're uh, if, if people listening right now are watching right now and you know oh man i get so many questions about this but so let's say they're, they're looking at a potential franchise i love that advice so don't necessarily buy a brand new one and we say brand new do we do and it sounds like i think i understand what you're saying it's not necessarily brand new as in a brand new idea but it's also a brand new physical franchise like you had mentioned baskin robbins been around for like 100 years yeah, but it's but it's a brand new but it's a it's a brand new Baskin Robbins right. franchise in that location. So it's brand. It has no proven track record. Right. And you know what? They don't always get the demographics right. Right. <laughs> There's lots of lots of times franchises fail. You know, talk about attorney. Let me tell you something else. So there's an attorney friend of mine. He buys one of these smoothie franchises because, you know, he's going to keep his attorney job, but he decides, look, I want some cash flow on the side. So he's going to go buy one of these. I don't know if it's a smoothie fast food. Probably one of the, probably one of the, during the yogurt craze, I guarantee. Well, it might've been a Yeah. It might've been yogurt. I don't really remember, but he called me every time show. You have to sell this for me because I have $400,000 in it. Employees don't show up. <laughs> They're stealing from me. I have to show up. I'm an attorney. I make like $250 an hour. Right. I don't have time to go work this franchise and I'm losing everything. He goes, I said, what do you want to sell it for? He goes, what I have into it. I said, there's no way you're going to sell it for the depreciated value. You're not going to ever get your money back. So you got to be very, very careful. A lot of doctors, a lot of lawyers, 
They think that they can go buy a startup franchise. And when I say startup franchise, like a Baskin-Robbins has been around forever, but it's a new location. It's not something that you can just run. It's not something that you can just own and not be involved. You got to have a manager that you trust. And again, I would never buy a new one. I would buy an existing one that has a proven track record. That makes sense. I want to ask you one more question about franchise and we'll, and we'll get off that and we'll get off okay. and, we'll, and we'll get on to some other stuff. So if, uh, if you were consulting with somebody that's looking to buy a business that mm-hmm. maybe has a franchise esque type feel to it, like a sub shop or a mm-hmm. massage thing or a gym, uh, and they had the choice franchise mm-hmm. or independent, which one would you suggest? It depends upon the buyer. Okay. Because there are buyers that have never owned a business before. They're not entrepreneurs. They want to leave corporate America and they want to be in business for themselves, but not by themselves. So a franchise is a perfect fit for them. But look for an existing one, not a new one. And then you've got buyers who are entrepreneurs who really don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to you know, follow the franchise model. They want to innovate. And they want to do their own thing and create their own masterpiece. I would say no to a franchise for them. Does that make sense? It does. It, it makes makes total total sense to me. Uh, in a second, I want to get into your uh, get into your book. I know you have a methodology uh, on exactly what people should do. I'm super interested. I haven't read the book yet. I was hoping I could get an advanced reader's copy. I can't win because I got glasses on, but we'll get we'll get we'll have to get that after the fact. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, I've talked to, obviously a little bit about it, but in a second, again, I, I want to talk about that methodology. All right. Well, I hope you're enjoying this episode of The Alden Report. You know, you probably already know this, but here in the United States, investors and big corporations pay between zero and 25% in taxes, and many times it's zero, while individuals pay between 30 and 50% in taxes, and small businesses pay between 40 and 60% in taxes. What you probably don't know is that the federal tax code is behavior based. Well, what does that mean? It means if you behave like an investor in a big corporation, you can access the same rates. You know, that's why Anthegree CPAs exist to show businesses and owners how to modify their behavior and to access the same rates as investors in big corporations. You know, with tax rates likely on the rise, I urge you to sign up for their next webinar by visiting www www.rigmywealth.com forward slash Alden. That's www.rigmywealth.com forward slash Alden. We are on with Michelle Seiler Tucker. Uh, you know, she is a rock star entrepreneur. She sold thousands of businesses. She's been doing this for 20 years. She's been featured everywhere. She's been featured in Fox. Forbes, Inc., MSNBC, CNBC, NBC, ABC, uh, all over the world. Um, She's a speaker. She's an entrepreneur. And she's the author of her latest book called Exit Rich. The book is available everywhere for pre-order. But you can also go to ExitRichBook.com. You can pick it up and go to again, ExitRichBook.com. I think she actually has it uh, discounted for the audio book, I believe. I don't know if you and I even talked about that. I believe it's discounted a little bit. Or if you don't want to get a discount, fine. Go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, go to... uh, go to books a million, wherever you want to go, books available. And her publisher is also uh, my first publisher. So I love them as well. The, the, everything about it's great. And, and, uh, and I'm uh, super excited for you to be here again. So if you'd like some more information about Michelle, just go to exitrichbook.com. Okay. So 
Um, now, uh, as a business owner myself, it's funny. I was just thinking about this because I knew we were going to have, you know, you're going to, I've been in business for 12 years and I, I was watching one of your videos and it freaked me out. And I'm going to tell you the part that freaked me out. <laughs> what you said was, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, which was you generally in the past, you would hear that most businesses fail within like the first five years. That's really what's happened. And you're saying that's not happening. Now, what you're saying is, is what's happening is, is that, uh, people are in business. The ones that have been in business, these are the ones that are failing now. And, that, and I'm like right there, exactly what you said. I've been in business for 12 years, done hundreds of millions of revenue, but peaks and valleys right now, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's peaks and valleys. Tell us a little bit about the business environment and what is going on. And, and, and I don't know why, but I'd love to hear why that's happening. Yeah, happy to. So it used to be when I wrote my very first book, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth in 2013, did the research and learned that 95%, 90, 95% of all startups would fail. And these are startups within the first one to five years, right? We all know that. That's common knowledge. However, when I wrote Exit Rich in 20, 2019 and 2020 with Sharon Lecter, I did the exact same research and learned that the business landscape has actually flip-flopped. It's completely opposite now. Startups, only 30% of startups will go out of business. Only 30% now. So that one to five years, they're only at 30% risk. However, out of 27.6 million companies, those businesses have been in business 10 years or longer, 70% of these businesses are at risk for going out of business. Now, you've heard about the big public companies all the time, like Toys R Us, been in business 75 years, goes out of business. Montgomery Wars is in trouble, JCPenney, Steinmark goes out of business, Pier One, Jamboree. You got Radio, uh, Radio Shack. You got Godiva closing up 1,500 locations. And GNC closing up 900 locations. They're talking about the public companies. They're not talking about the private businesses on every street corner in every town in every state across our great nation. These business owners are exiting poor. They're selling for pennies on the dollar, closing their business, or even worse, filing bankruptcy. And most of the time when you file bankruptcy in America... You don't just lose your business assets, you lose your personal assets too, because most business owners pierce the corporate veil. You're an attorney, you know that. They sign the personal guarantees, they take a mortgage out against their house. They do all they these things they're not supposed to do. Commingle funds. They commingle funds like crazy. They do all these things they're not supposed to do. So that's really why I wrote Exit Rich is because 70% of businesses are going out of business, plus 80%, according to Steve Forbes, who also endorsed Exit Rich, 80% of businesses won't sell. So eight out of 10 businesses don't sell. It's crazy. And let me just go back to the main reason that 70% are going out of business because you asked, why is that? The number one reason is because business owners stop doing what I call AIM. A-I-M. Always innovate and market. Always innovate and market. Tell me what Toys R Us did new in 75 years. They modeled Toys R Us after a grocery store and they did nothing different. Blockbuster saw Netflix. They had the opportunity to purchase Netflix and they sat back fat and happy and did nothing. And now they're out of business. So lack of innovation and lack of marketing. Business owners are married to their idea and they want to keep doing things the way they've always done them. You're either growing or dying. You either innovate or you go out of business. It's that simple now. And now you've got all these startup entrepreneurs that are out there solving problems. They're looking at the problem and going, oh, here's a solution. You know, the, the company that makes it easiest for the consumer to purchase products and services is a company that's going to win. Amazon winning because they make it so easy 
for us to buy practically anything and have it delivered to us in two days. You can practically buy a horse and have it delivered to your house in two days. And now they just bought a bunch of planes so they can get it to you in one day. So innovation is key. Innovation and marketing. I mean, is that really the key to it? It's the disruption, right? That's what's happening. Just the world is just being disrupted. Well, like said, this is before COVID. Right. Now right. you better really start innovating because look at Target, look at Walmart. They did nothing when they saw Amazon buy Whole Foods and Whole Foods was shipping to your door. Now Target's got a, you know, a membership program where you join up and they'll ship food to your, your groceries to your door. And so does Walmart. So, I mean, you, you can thank the pandemic for that, but the bottom line is innovation, you know, and also these businesses, a lot of them have been in business for 20, 30 years. Their customers are aging out. Right. So you really got to figure out what does the consumer want? I mean, we should be asking our clients, what do you want? What do you need? How do I make it easier for you to do business with us? Yeah, I just wrote that down. You know, it's funny when, when my business, we, we primarily sell uh, nutritional products and dietary supplements. And I've had that exact conversation with my employees here. Like, look, l- our customers literally are dying, like literally dying. And so we need to continue to figure out, uh, you know, what we're doing. And my, my primary source of, of income and revenue to this day is still on television, which is, it's not a dying medium. It's a changing medium. It's, it's, I, I would say it's, it's, uh, it's retracting. It's definitely retracting. Uh, and we've certainly changed the way we do business. Uh, but I felt like we didn't do it as fast as we should have, but we're doing mm-hmm. it now. But a lot of businesses, like you said, just, just, just don't do it. I, I saw a great documentary, um, uh, called uh, All Things Shall Pass, and it was about uh, Tower Records. I don't know. Have you mm-hmm. seen that documentary? It's, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm, it, yeah, it's mm-hmm. such a, it's such a great documentary about. And I think it, it opens up and it says, uh, I think it was uh, in twenty in two thousand nine, Tower Records had five point seven billion in sales. In two thousand ten, they were bankrupt um, because they I mean, it's t- like Toys R Us in twenty seventeen. Right. There's a lot. I call it life cycles of a business. Yeah, life cycles of a business is the same as the life cycle of a human. The best time to sell your business is when your business is in, is in its prime. Right. Toys R Us twenty fifteen twenty fifteen they were in their prime worth $11.5 billion. The very next year, they filed bankruptcy. <laughs> two years later, they closed up all of their stores worldwide within two years. That's, again, it's scary and sad. When I saw you, I saw I was watching one of your videos about that. All right, so so um, I'm let's not trying it. to scare people. You're freaking me out. You're <laughs> freaking me out, Michelle. Um, that's okay. That's why I'm here. You know, it's funny. I tell people on the podcast, I've had, you've probably seen some of my guests. We've had some pretty big players on and uh, I had uh, Marshall Goldsmith on and I was saying to him, he didn't like that. I said this, I said, you know, folks, Marshall Goldsmith, he charges upwards to like $150,000 just to sit down with him for a couple hours. And I said, he's here today for free. And I'm like, I kind of like this. And he did not like it. He didn't think it was funny. I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, so, so, um, okay. So your methodology in exit, in exit rich, I believe you have, uh, what is it? Uh, this is, is it the P, uh, six P's method? I think that is what is it? What is we it? have the six P method. Yep. The six P method did is you, sell your business for huge profits. So, so, all right. So let's talk about, I'm, I'm, maybe I'll give you a hypothetical, um, hypothetical business, um, uh, I'll kind of give you mine. I'll give you mine. Uh, we won't give you like the exact numbers. We'll come close. So a business that was, you know, cranking, doing 50 million a year for multiple years now doing, you know, let's say 10, 
right? Uh, and not to say that we can't get back up to 50, but we might. But so now we're, we went from doing 50, now we're doing 10. But here's the crazy thing. And, I, and you know enough about this. We're actually more profitable now at 10 than we were at 50, uh, which mm -hmm. is a great thing. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, so that when you look at that, when I look at that, it, it goes down like this. And so to me, it looks bad. Right. And I've and I've cut employees. I've cut costs from the outside looking in. It looks like we're just we're going to we're going to die. Right. Um, that's not the case. But so a business like this. Um, we have a massive database. Uh, we have IP. Uh, we have existing revenue. Uh, if we didn't, if we didn't uh, continue to market, we'd still have sales and customers. But eventually, the, the revenue will just continue to go down if we're not marketing anymore. How does a business like mine get sold? Well, remember what I said before: innovation and marketing. I know, but what I, I know, I, I yeah. <laughs> you right. see, aims. You right. gotta, you gotta aim. All right. So, how does a business like yours get sold? So, a couple of questions. First and foremost. The even the revenues went from fifty to what? Ten. I mean, not not yeah. overnight, not overnight. I mean, you Did know, the from, EBITDA go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The EBITDA's gone up. Yeah. So now, so how now much has the EBITDA went? Up? How much has now EBITDA we're running at about a twenty percent profit margin, where I was actually losing money almost year after year. So you were losing money. Now you're making money. Right. And that's been over the last how many years? Making money. Or losing money. <laughs> no, making money. I don't care about losing money. I care about making money. I'll tell you a funny um, story because listen, this is like a therapy session for you. So I was on Grant Cardone. <laughs> I was on Grant Cardone's show back in 2014. It was called Power Players, right? He invited me on actually because uh, this book right here, uh, Ask More, Get More, which is a Greenleaf book. And Grant had me on a show because when, when he traveled anywhere in the country to any Hudson News, it was my book, his book, Tony Robbins and Ryan Blair's book. And so he Was it on the table? Was it on the table? It was everywhere. It, it was gonna, everywhere. Now you're going to see extra rich everywhere. Hudson news. Yeah. 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 So, um, and, uh, by the way, I opened that, uh, for, for Greenleaf just as an FYI. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, um, you know, uh, so, so yeah, so now we're running at like, again, at, at about a 20%, you know, uh, profit margin now. So yeah, but over three years, over two years, over what? Time oh, so we just it literally, it, it literally just, you know what? COVID actually was actually kind of a good thing for us because we were like, fuck, if we don't do something, we will be out of business. Okay. And so we changed the way we do business. We're still running. A lot of our customers are coming from television and the radio, but when they do come into our funnel, uh, a lot of them are funneled to our website, which is which cuts out any sort of commissions and call center costs, which has been great for us. So again, we're running at like you know, call it like I said, a twenty percent profit margin, but on a, on a on a ten million uh, run rate. So you know, call it like you know, two million, just under two million in profit. Okay, so just under two million, but. Uh and that's for the last year. That's for the last two years. Last year. Last year. And so before that, you were doing more in revenue, but a lot less in profit. Yeah. Oh, oh so, I, so the, the point of my story with Cardone too, Cardone asked me that year we had done 55 million. He said, what's your profit? And I said, I don't know. Live on camera, by the way. Oh, you lied. Okay. No, 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 I no. Just... I said live on camera. Oh, live on camera. <laughs> Well, did you know it or did you no, know? No, I didn't, you know, because my, listen, my response, which is, which is just an immature young entrepreneur was, look, man, um, I pay myself a great salary. I have great things. I have a nice life. Uh, you know, my family is, oh, well, you know, like it was just all, it was just a bullshit response at the end of the day. It was, just, but it was, I mean, it was honest and that's how I felt, but I didn't know the numbers, Michelle. So here's the bottom gross. line. It's gross you, and scary. You are not unique. I know you think you are. No, yeah, I, yeah. And all. Right, right. You are not an original. She's, a, my, she's talking about my 99 cent glasses. But yeah, no. <laughs> Almost every yeah, single yeah. entrepreneur, right. every single business owner I've worked with, 
they never know their numbers. Yeah. You're not unique. Right. So most business owners don't know their numbers. Right. At all. So to, to tell you what we sell your business for, I would take you through the whole six P's. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and number one, we want to find out how did you drop so much in revenue? Right. You want me? Oh, you want me to tell you? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, Oh, man, I don't know that anyone publicly knows this. A lot of people know this. I'm gonna. I'm telling you. Listen, I'm. I'm super honest and candid on this thing. Uh, I had a guy that funded me, right? Mm -hmm. He was essentially a. He, he was a bank, a actual registered bank in California. Mm -hmm. Straight up fucking embezzled from me, uh, mm -hmm. and then from there it just spiraled out of control. Um, mm -hmm. And we and we realized that it, there was a huge opportunity loss, and that is, you know, so we started to go into debt more and more and more and more and couldn't figure out why and mm -hmm. how and how we discovered it and how he was um we had joint bank accounts joint signatory and the whole thing and how we discovered it it was too late um i i i i, I triaged about a half a million uh that i was able to to pull back but by then the the damage had been done this was in 20 by the way this is 2016 and at the same time uh, I also had uh, one of my merchant accounts freeze all of our shit in in one day and grabbed almost a million dollars in one day. So that was in 2016. Why so, did the merchant account freeze everything? Uh, because I'm in the supplement space and uh, the supplement the supplement industry just just kind of crashed. We have no we no BBB issues, no lawsuits, none of that stuff. It's just the space we're in. Like I said, I'm a lawyer. I've been doing this a long time. I've been in business selling. I, I have the longest running infomercial to date in the world of health and wellness products. Uh, it's still on air today, and you don't do that if you're not running a clean business. Um, and uh, so he went. He basically he went away. So the guy that was financing me that allowed me to scale uh, went away stole a bunch of money. And now I, then here's the crazy, his fucking craziest thing. I then Michelle, all the money that he stole from me and the, all the other fucking people he was supposed, uh, can you tell him upset? All the other people he was supposed to be paying. I paid off the debt. So you paid off everybody. He was supposed to be paying. How yes. much did by, he steal but from which you? by the, which by the way, I had already paid him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How much so, did he pay you? No, he didn't pay me anything. Nothing. No. I mean, how much did he steal from you? Uh, like one, well, he actually physically stole about one and a half. Um, and how much did you have to pay back of money he stole? Uh, about the same amount. About one and a half, and you paid yeah. everybody back. Mm hmm. Okay. And so, how was he able to? How was he able to take money out when it requires two signatures? <laughs> so, by the way, we we were going to sue him, so we didn't, so we could talk about this because he already he had eight other. It was like a, it was it was a blatant Ponzi scheme. So basically, is, what happens? Yeah, he was acting almost like a fact. He was almost acting like a factorer mm -hmm. to us. Okay, so so if he if 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 I was doing a hundred thousand in media, and I was paying, and then I ultimately paid the hundred thousand because it was on a two week uh, runway. So he would put up the money two weeks in advance. Two weeks later, we would pay him. Based mm -hmm. off of the revenue, right? Well, what was happening was is he was not he was not paying the the hundred. He was billing us for the hundred and charging us interest, and then uh, and then keeping it. And then the uh, the media agencies never let us know on top of that, and they were they were also kind of involved in it. It was fucking gross. But let's forget about that for a second. We don't need to get into all those details. But well, we already we're already there. So I want to tell you, though, that that, that I, I hope this story helps people yeah. because what you're saying is not unique. This happens every single day. Right. I've had so many business owners that have had a situation just like yours. By the way, this guy was like my grandfather, too. Just like we were that close. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. that makes it even worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's so many. Look, there's so many scenarios. I have one business owner that was in Basel like eight different times. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and that goes back to one of my P's, and that goes back to processes. You know, right. trust but verify. So the bottom line in your business, you know, you really have to determine. I would take you through the GPS exit model to determine. What is your end game? What do you want to sell your business for? Right. Because you only have one year of a $2 million profit. Right. Right. You know, we got to get back up there before we even consider selling. Buyers want to see two to three years. Right. 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 Now you have a good story to tell. We would highlight that when we, when we are marketing the business, when we are uh, bringing on buyers and stuff, we, cause we put everything out front, you know, we right. want to get all the skeletons in the closet out front. Right. We don't want buyers to find out later in due diligence. So you have right. a good story to tell. Um, but the bottom line is you need a couple years of, of, you know, making the two, $2 million or more. Right? right. Because you got one year. Sure. And was that in 2020, right? 20. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. And that's pretty good in 2020. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, what is your desired end game? What do you want to sell your business for? Oh, I don't even necessarily know that I want to sell. I just was wanted to use me as the example uh, because, you know, that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I'm there or even necessarily want to do that, but I just wanted to just, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to make up a fake example. So I just gave you that real. Oh, yeah. like so as what, far as selling you, what yeah. I would do is I would take you through what I call the GPS exit model. And this is yep. what I do for all my clients. First and foremost, I want them to figure out when you want to drive somewhere, what's the first thing you do? You pull out your phone, you go to Google Maps and you plug in your destination, right? Right. So I want to, I would help you determine what your destination is. You don't have a destination, right? You don't know what your desired sales price is, right? So you need to figure that out. And then you need to know what is your business worth today? So if you say, look, I want to sell for 10, you know, let's say you want to sell for $20 million. Great. There's a number. Then you need to figure out what's GPS need to know next. It needs to know where you're starting from, what's your current location, what's your business for today. Let's say you're worth $5 million today. Then you need to know time frame. Let's say you want to do this in five years, right? Now you got to start of a plan. The, the, the problem with most business owners, Mike, is they don't even know what their business is worth. You don't know what your business is worth. Right. You know, and this is crazy to me because us humans will go to the doctor once a year to get an annual checkup to make sure our heart's still ticking and we're still kicking. We'll drive a car to the automobile, you know, to the automobile dealership to get a tune-up. But what do we not do? We don't get an annual business valuation checkup. And our events that happen in your business that can decrease valuations and there are events external and internal that can increase valuation. So you always need to know what your business is worth. Makes sense? Does, yeah. And then you need to know who's my buyers. There's five types of buyers. If you want to sell for 20 million, it's not going to be a first time buyer because they buy small businesses. It's not going to be a turnaround specialist. They buy distressed assets. So it's going to be a private equity group, a strategic competitor is a third type a fourth type, and they, they pay the highest multiple for synergies or a sophisticated entrepreneur that's industry agnostic that chases cash flow. So that's what I would do with you is take you through that GPS exit model to help you determine what your end game is. And then I would take you through the six P's because you already have two, the two P's missing or you did, <laughs> you didn't know your numbers. Right. And you probably didn't have the processes in place where you were inspecting what you expect and trusting, but verifying. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you're, you're right. And it's an expensive, um, lesson, you know, and, uh, and I'm glad we did talk about it. I've talked a little bit about it in my last book, blueprint to business, but not the exact nature, but here we are today. So, and, you know, and I think it really is important. I'm glad that you said that too, not to necessarily make me feel better because it doesn't make you feel better that other people have gone through it, but, yeah. but, but it's interesting that you said that, that it's not uncommon. 
It's not uncommon. It is so common. I mean, like I said, I have one gentleman. Look, (laughs) I was doing due diligence. I was there with the buyer's team, a business that we sold in Texas. And we sold, we were selling this business for 18 million. And one of his companies was headed to foreclosure and the buyer was buying both companies. And I was there with the buyer's team doing due diligence. I got the CPA embezzling money right then and there because she was hiding stuff. She's hiding invoices and I know what to look for. So I got her embezzling money and I turned her in. (laughs) It happens all the time, much more than you would ever expect. So inspect what you expect. Yeah. The bottom line is processes. You know, you got to have these processes in place, especially when it's centered around money to where you trust, but verify. And like I said, inspect what you expect. That's right. As busy entrepreneurs, you know, we trust people. You trusted him. He's like your grandfather. Right. And you probably didn't inspect, you know, what you expected from him. You trusted, but never verified. Yeah. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. Look, it happened to my, it happened to my husband. It happens to the best of us. Wow. Wow. So, all right. So I know we don't have a lot of time. Uh, the book is titled exit rich. You can get it everywhere. You can go to ExitRichBook.com. You could just Google exit rich, uh, you know, or co-author. We didn't even talk a lot about Sharon Lecter, but a co-author is the co-author also of rich dad, poor dad. So if that means anything to you, uh, if it doesn't mean anything to you, it should, uh, Sharon's book is, I think they sold over 30 million books as well. And she's also uh, a business icon, uh, as well. So, uh, if you'd like some more information about, uh, uh, the, the book, you can just go to exitrichbook.com. Uh, you, you can also Google her, but and you have something to say. I wasn't letting you go, but I just wanted to just, you know, I just wanted people to learn a little bit more. But Ked, what do you got? I just wanted to tell your listeners that um, if they go buy the book right now in pre-launch, because the book comes out in June, June 22nd, but they can go buy it at exitrichbook.com right now for $24.79, which is less than Amazon. And we will email the digital download to you immediately. So you don't have to wait till June. We'll ship the hardcover to your doorstep to anybody that lives in the United States for no extra shipping. Plus, we will give you a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club where there's video content and me doing deep dives in some of these different techniques and strategies that we talk about with the six P's and you know processes and just everything that you kind of have heard here today, but a much deeper dive plus documents. So documents to operate your business, documents to sell your business. We have sample employee handbooks, non-competes, policy and procedure manuals. We have sample letter of intents, purchase agreements, due diligence checklists, closing docs, and all these documents are there, not only for your review, for your download too, you can use the templates. And Mike, you're an attorney. If you went to recreate all these documents, it would probably cost over $30,000. Oh yeah, it's expensive stuff. And they're there for $24.79. Plus you get a 30-day membership into Club CEOs, which is an entrepreneur mastermind where we help business owners ask the tough questions and we help business owners really look at their business so they can build a sustainable, scalable, when they're ready, sellable business so they too can exit rich. Well, then that's the place to end it. You know what? I was saying you could go, <laughs> I was saying you could go buy the book anywhere else. If you bought the book anywhere else, then I don't know, maybe you shouldn't be in business. So you got to go to exitrichbook.com, all that stuff that you're going to get for free. And that, you know, when people talk about adding value, that's it. That's adding value right there. So if you want some more information about the book and you know, you want to, and you want to kind of look, be, do the things that I'm kind of thinking about, you know, I think we should think about potentially selling a business. But one of the things that I just definitely learned here is you need to plan. Right. You need to, mm-hmm. you, you can't just say, oh, I'm just going to sell my business next year. You need to think about uh, what you need to do. And in the book, Exit Rich, and by the way, we didn't even talk about. Uh, the endorsements. The endorsements for this book are ridiculous. Uh, some of the biggest names in the world. And that doesn't just 
happen. I'm an author. I've written seven books. Uh, my current publisher is Wiley and Sons. You don't get some of the biggest names in business in the world to endorse a book like this just for the hell of it. So that means that this book is going to do big things. So go to exitrichbook.com, pick up the book, get all that free information, get all that free data. Uh, make sure you subscribe to her newsletter and 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 her mastermind as well. And uh, you know, you're going to just going to get a lot of value. You know, I'm, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to see if she'll maybe give me a special code and I'll get it even, even deeper discount. I don't know, maybe. Um, <laughs> so listen, if you if, if you found that this uh, podcast was interesting, if you felt as though maybe there's somebody that's listening right now that's maybe looking to sell their business or considering selling their business, make sure you share this, make sure you like it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're listening to it, whether, whether it's on iTunes, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Stitcher, wh- wherever you're listening to this, make sure you give us a rating and share it, share it with your friends, share it with your relatives, share it with your neighbors, because the information on the Alderman Report, which by the way, I think everybody knows this. I don't make any money off of this at all. For me, it's to be able to develop relationships with people like Michelle that, that I just love listening to people that know their stuff. So if you do like all that stuff and you do like what you've, what you've been listening to, make sure you share, like it, rate it, and also obviously go to exitrichbook.com. My name is Michael Alden and that is Michelle Seiler Tucker. This has been another edition of the Alderman Report and we'll see you soon. Today's episode is brought to you in part by ConnectionCapital.com. That's C-O-N-N-E-X-T-I-O-N Capital.com. That's C-O-N-N-E-X-T-I-O-N Capital.com. You are one connection away from your life changing forever. You know, have you ever tried to connect with somebody on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or even Clubhouse, and you couldn't quite connect with them? That's because the biggest gap in the world is the gap of access. It's not the wealth gap. It's not the credit gap. It's the access gap. ConnectionCapital.com is leveling the playing field and it's free to join. Visit ConnectionCapital.com, C-O-N-N-E-X-T-I-O-N Capital.com. Again, it's C-O-N-N-E-X-T-I-O-N Capital.com. You are one connection away from your life changing forever.